0: I'd like you to turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 12. Go with me to verse 27, John chapter 12 and verse 27. We began in verse 27 and stopped there last week. We pick up where we left off. I want to begin with verse 27 again this morning. And I'd like you to follow along as I read through verse 36. John 12... 27, and this is Jesus speaking, now he says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Now we saw here last time in verse 27 how troubled of soul Jesus was, how troubled of soul he felt as he faced not just the cruel treatment That would lead to his death, and sometimes we think mainly of the physical suffering that Jesus experienced, but there was far more going on here than, than his being troubled of soul for only physical suffering. There was, there was going to be a powerful and emotional and spiritual struggle that he faced and he carried as he went to his death on the cross. And what was far more troubling to Christ than the physical suffering he was going to face was the weight of sin he would bear on the cross, the the weight of sin of millions of people, the sins of millions of people upon his shoulders, and then the weight of the pain, bearing the pain of, of, of the suffering for that sin all alone, and then he would face alone being rejected by God the Father on the cross, all of this was a was a horrifying experience for Christ. And so he calls out in prayer to the Father in verse twenty seven, What should I say? What should I say, Father? Save me from this hour, is that what I should say? And then it's almost as if he says and quickly changes and says, But no. This is this is the hour for which I came. You see, he came to suffer for sin he came to suffer for sin so that we might be saved and certainly jesus was troubled and horrified of soul and in his humanity he was troubled enough to think of being removed from this hour even just for a moment as as a as god in human flesh as he faced humanly what he was going to face just for a moment thought what do i say remove me but but no, this can't be. This is why I'm here. He knows that this is just just such a suffering he was supposed to, to face in just such an hour to face this horrifying agony of pain, yes, but suffering for sin mostly. And that having faced it, And that having risen from the dead, the payment for sin would be satisfied and would be complete for all who place their faith in him. And on the cross, the sin of believers is imputed to Christ. We talked about that last time, this this important doctrine of imputation. On the cross, the sin of all who believe in Christ is imputed to all, all, all those who sin. Their sin is placed on Christ. When we have faith in Christ, he takes the punishment for our sin. He took it on the cross. It was a once-and-for-all payment. You remember he cried out, It is finished, and, 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 and it was finished. The payment for our sins was finished at Calvary through the suffering of Christ. Our sins imputed to Christ. His righteousness imputed to those who believe in him. And though we're not righteous, we're made righteous in Christ. And though he was not a sinner, he was made a sinner for our sakes. And so Jesus knows that. As he had said earlier in verse 23, that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And it's on the cross, it's on the cross as Christ takes on himself the punishment that you deserve that God is most glorified. You realize that? It's on the cross as Jesus takes on himself the punishment that you deserve. The punishment he did not deserve, he takes. And it is is in that act that God is most glorified. And so now Jesus prays in verse 28. Look at it. Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. And indeed, God the Father will glorify his name as he shows his sovereignty through Christ on the cross. Just think of it. Jesus Christ goes to the cross to take the punishment for the sins of people, millions of people on himself. And we're going to think about this in a moment. It would look like defeat for Christ on the cross, would it not? It would look like defeat. But in fact, in God's sovereignty... It's triumph. And so when Jesus prays, Father, glorify your name, verse 28 continues, then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. You see, God's name has been glorified in the Son. The Son is being obedient to the Father. The the Son is ministering on the Father's timetable. And even more so will the name of God be glorified when Christ arrives at the cross and is placed on the cross and dies a cruel death and bears the wrath of God for our sin on himself. And because when the Son of God is crucified at the hands of cruel men and it appears as though the devil has won, in fact, it is just the opposite. In God's sovereignty, the Son's death brings defeat to the devil. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right? Because of the Son and His suffering and the sacrifice for our sins, what looks like defeat for Him is actually victory for us. He brings the victory by His sacrifice for our sins. But the crowd was confused. They're they're hearing. Some of them are hearing from heaven what they heard, and it seems as though some heard a voice and others didn't, or at least thought they didn't. And verse 29 says, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Now, where this crowd came from, we don't know. Though it's possible, it's not likely that this is the same crowd that welcomed Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on the young donkey, but nonetheless, there's a crowd here, right? And often we find that in Jesus' ministry, where Jesus goes, a crowd gathers And here, there's a crowd, and they're standing, and they're hearing a voice from heaven, but they're confused. Some don't hear a voice. So Jesus explains, verse 30, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. They're saying, an angel has spoken to him, and he says, no, no, it's not speaking for my benefit, it's speaking for your benefit. So they were to hear a voice. They were to hear, but some didn't hear a voice. Some thought that what they heard was thunder. Why the confusion? Well, it's not clear here. John doesn't tell us. Jesus doesn't tell us. But it's likely that this voice was to be spiritually perceived. It's likely that this voice was for the encouragement of Jesus' disciples and those who were following Christ. True followers. But why? Because they're going to need this reminder, aren't they? They're going to need this reminder that God's name would be glorified in Jesus Christ. in the Son of Man, as he goes to the cross, as he is lifted up, God's name would be glorified. They're going to need this reminder. They would need to be encouraged by this truth, that God's name would be glorified in what would happen to Christ. They were about to see Jesus taken away and accused and tortured and crucified, weren't they? In not too many days, it would come to that. And obviously, that was going to be a traumatic time for Jesus' disciples and other followers And were it not for a time like this, when God the Father spoke from heaven, making it very clear that God was all about glorifying his name in the Son, they would think that all was lost. Were it not for a time like this that they could say, wait, but we heard the voice from heaven say, my name will be glorified. And so this can't be the end. This cannot mean that all is lost when Christ is crucified. They might be prone to lose all hope when they see Christ crucified, but they would need this reminder, yes? And so God was gracious to give them this reminder, and later this would be a reminder to them that God was at work, even bringing glory to Himself in the death of His Son Christ. Think of it. What could be worse? What could be worse? than crucifying God in human flesh. And yet, God says, my name will be glorified in the Son. My name will be glorified. Is that encouraging to you today? It's encouraging to me. You know why? Because I can look at my own circumstances and, and, and I might feel as though I'm being persecuted for my Christianity, for my faith, but yet, if God can be glorified in the death of of God the Son on the cross. He can be glorified as I face trials and struggles and heartache in the midst of my faith also, right? And you too. And so this ought to be encouraging to us. So Jesus begins to explain the meaning of the cross to these confused people, and sometimes we're just like them, aren't we? And we look at the Word and we go, but, but I'm confused. God's name will be glorified in the cross, but how? Look at verse 31. Jesus explains in verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. What's that? Well, the world, influenced by Satan, would pour out its wrath and judgment on Jesus by way of the cross, right? And it would seem as though Satan had the victory, correct? But in crucifying Christ, sadly, the world would bring God's judgment on itself. You see, crucifying Christ crucifying Christ, is an outright rejection of Christ. And that's really what unbelief is. You see, we don't have to be there to reject Christ. We can be here and live in unbelief and reject him just the same. That's a truth we noted back in John chapter 3 and verse 18. Would you like to go back there for a moment and look at it with me? John chapter 3 and verse 18. This is important. We dare not reject the Son. You're hearing the gospel today. You hear God's word. And when you hear God's word speak to your heart, you need to yield to it and follow Christ. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. And we can say, praise God, right? But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, we can be like those who would punish Christ on the cross, who would pour out their wrath and fury on him, influenced by Satan. We could be like those today if we're unbelievers and we're resisting God's work in drawing us to himself with the truth. And if we persist in our unbelief, we're just like those people who reject Christ all the way to the cross. So Jesus says, now the ruler of the world will be cast out. That's Satan, the ruler of the world. And Satan's defeat comes by the death of Christ on the cross. So even though the cross is meant as Satan's judgment of Christ, it is, in fact, more powerfully a symbol of the defeat of Satan. See, the cross of Christ is the defeat of Satan. It is more powerfully so illustrative of Satan going down and staying down for the count. And God is glorified in this. And yes, Satan still has power in this world. We know that, right? Satan still has power in this world, but by the death and resurrection of Christ, his power is defeated for all of those who put their faith in Christ. How important then to put your faith in Christ, right? How important then to to trust in Christ. If you don't trust in Christ, you don't have the power of God at work in you, defeating Satan daily, Defeating the power of Satan over you and in you. You see, as followers of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us and overpowers the one who has power in the world. Oh, how desperately we need God's power. And if we have not trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today's the day, don't delay, don't do without the power of God in you to help you resist Satan in this world because there were people then who were, who were influenced by Satan's power who resisted Jesus to the end, to the cross, and he was crucified. And yet, as I said, still today we can do the same. We can persist in unbelief and resist him until it's too late. We're going to see Jesus point to that here. And yes, Satan still has power in this world, but by that death of Christ, by the death and suffering of Christ, and by his resurrection, he conquers the power of Satan in this world. He defeats him. He he casts him out, as it were, and his power is overcome for all who believe in the Son. So believe in the Son. Believe in him today. If you have not trusted in Christ, how important it is. Otherwise, you live In this world, under the influence of the one who is powerful, Satan, the deceiver, the original teller of lies. And so Jesus points to the cross and says in verse 32, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now this is not about the ascension. This is not about Jesus' ascension, but about his death. When he would be lifted up. Think about it. Raised up on the cross. His death on the cross would be an overwhelming witness to the glory of God. And that, that time, and at that time, what Jesus means here is not that the whole world will be saved. Right In verse 32 he says, And and I, when I am lifted up up from the earth, will draw all people to to myself. He's not suggesting that all people would be saved, but that people of all nations, people of of all types and kinds, people from all over the world will be drawn to Christ through the crucifixion of Christ, through the testimony of the cross, through the witness of Christ on the cross. People of all kinds from all over the world will be drawn to faith in Christ. Just as one commentator notes, Jesus said that at the cross he would draw all men to himself. He did not mean everybody will be saved, for he made it clear that some will be lost. We know that from John 5, 28 and 29, right? If the drawing by the Son is the same as that of the Father, it means he will draw indiscriminately. Those saved will include not only Jews, but also those from every tribe, language, people, and nation. How important it was for those people then and people today to hear that truth. God is not discriminating by by race or color or people or nation. And then in verse 33, Jesus tells us, he says here, John tells us in verse 33, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And again, we're being pointed to the cross here. It is by the death of Christ alone that salvation comes to sinners everywhere without discriminating by language, people, or nation. It is by the sacrifice of Christ alone. We need to understand that. There's nothing that you do to earn favor with God. There is nothing that you do to pay the price for your sin. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Right? As we sing together? And as we're pointed to the cross here, we see again the crowd. They're still confused. In verse 34, so the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? In other words, What do you mean by speaking of of death? What do you mean by speaking of your death? You see, the Christ is supposed to abide forever, they thought. D.A. Carson writes, Their perplexity stemmed from the fact that in their understanding, the promised Messiah would remain forever. And their understanding was flawed. They were right and they were wrong. They thought he would be here to rule and reign on the earth forever. They didn't realize he'd come to be the sacrifice for sins, and then he'd reign forever. They'd connected the idea of Jesus calling himself the Son of Man with the idea that he was the Messiah, and they just couldn't understand how he could be facing death if he was the Messiah. How can this be? They want to know what's going on here. So the crowds continued to be confused about Christ, and and we've seen it, haven't we, throughout John's Gospel. Often the crowd's so confused, don't understand, don't, don't know what's going on. Now, now this is the last mention of the crowds in the ministry of Jesus seen here in John's Gospel. And commentator Henry Morris says, It is significant that to the end they remain confused and perplexed, totally unable to, to appreciate the magnitude of the gift that is offered them, nor the significance of the person who offers it. And oh, people today, that dare not be us who with with the gospel in our hands, who with the word of God in our hands, we not understand the magnitude of the gift before us through faith in Christ, that that we not understand the person who offers it, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh. You see, it's really tragic, isn't it, that these people have Jesus right before their eyes and still don't. Grasp, still don't understand. But before we point a finger at them, that could be us. We have God's word, do we not? We have his precious word before our hearts. We have it before our eyes. And we dare not miss his truths and misunderstand who Jesus is. So verse 35, Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Now, it almost seems like Jesus didn't answer their question, doesn't it? It's like Jesus ignored their question. But listen, he knows what they need to hear. He knows the question they should have been asking, and so he answers that one. I love it see, the question you ask is the wrong one. It's almost as if he's saying that. It's it's not the one of most importance. Here's the most important thing you need to know. You should be taking action on what you already know. You should be taking action on what's already been revealed to you. You see, for those who act in faith, there's more light given, more understanding. And that's why our passage, We, I hope you're committing to memory, the little passage on the front of your program this month. When we come to Jeremiah 33 and we hear in the Old Testament in verses 2 and 3, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have known. You have not known. Call to me and I will answer you. Oh, how how badly these people just needed to believe, just needed to have faith, and, and so do we. Sometimes we get so caught up in asking questions, we we fail to put faith in the simple truths we already have that God has made abundantly clear to us. You see, the light that is only among them for a little while is Jesus. He would soon be taken from them, wouldn't he? He would be crucified, and then he would rise from the dead, and then he would ascend to heaven, and they would not have him there to follow around and wait for miracle after miracle and wait for things to be done for them as, as they watched Jesus heal people and speak and preach and teach, he would not be there much longer to ask questions of forever. But if they would simply believe in him, they would see more clearly by way of the light given to them in Christ. If they would simply trust in him, they would have many of their questions answered. Only belief is what they needed to do. You see, that's a significant truth for us, isn't it? Oh, how desperately... We need to believe. We need to have faith. We need to trust in Christ. Use the light you have. Respond to the truth you have now. Otherwise, you may wait too long. Otherwise, you may waste what understanding you have now. So obey the truth now. Walk in the light now. That's what Jesus is saying to them and to us. And the idea here in the original languages is really this, keep walking in the truth. It's not a once-for-all kind of thing. You know, that's true as followers of Christ, isn't it? We believe and we come to faith in Christ. We put our faith in Christ and trust in him, yes, but we're not done believing, right? We're not done having faith. We're to keep on walking in the truth. And so this is so true even for us today and so important for us today. If you don't act on the light of truth, there may come a day when you are bound in darkness and no longer able to see or understand the truth and respond to it. Trust in Christ today. Believe now with the light that you have. Remember when Jesus had said back in John chapter 9 and verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So what should the crowds have done? What should they have done? What should they have done with the light of the truth that is Jesus, the light of the world? Well, we heard the answer to the same question back in John chapter eight. In John chapter eight in verse twelve says this. Again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what should they do? What should those people then do? What what should they have done? And what should we do today? What should they do while they have Christ there revealing truth to them? And what should we do with the truth that's revealed to us in God's Word today? It's one word. Verse 36 points to it. Look at verse 36. It's one word. The word is believe. Believe. Verse 36 While you have the light. Believe in the light that you may become sons of light. I'm going to stop right there in verse 36. Listen to it again. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Do you realize that this same truth that those people that day desperately needed to hear, the question they didn't ask that needed to be answered, is the same one we need to have answered today While you have the light, while the truth is being revealed to you, act on it. Have faith. Believe. And then keep believing. Keep believing while you have the light. While the truth is being revealed to you, act on it. Have faith. Believe in Christ because He is the light that leads to eternal life. He is the light that leads to forgiveness of sins, total and complete. And note here in verse 36 what follows belief. What follows faith? It's a becoming. Becoming is what follows faith. Believe in Jesus, have faith in the light of the world, and what do you become? Jesus says that you may become sons of light. You know what it is to be a a son of light? For for one thing, it's a once-for-all occurrence. It's a once for all action. You believe in Jesus by faith and you become a son of light. You become a child of God. You pass once for all from death to life. That's just what we hear in John chapter 5 and verse 24 when Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It's done. And then he says, He does not come to judgment but has passed. From death to life. You see, you believe in Jesus by faith, and you become a son of light. And notice that too. Those two words, sons of. Note too that, sons of. It's an important distinction. It points to thoroughly becoming like the one in question. Thoroughly becoming like the Savior. See, if you become a son of light, you don't become merely interested in the light, but you become completely and wholeheartedly characterized by and changed by the light. The light begins to do its work in you, and you're beginning to change toward Christ-likeness, away from your sinful self, and being like the sinless one, Jesus Christ, as you obey See, your interest in Christ is not a passing one, but a wholehearted and permanent one when you trust in Jesus Christ, the light, and you become a son of light. See, the witness of Scripture points to that truth. Followers of Christ are to be wholehearted in their devotion to following the light. We ought not be distracted by the world. We're to live in the world, yes, and we do have some of the cares of this world placed on our shoulders, but we are to live wholeheartedly with Christ as our focus so that in this world we are we are heavenly good, right? We are the light of Christ to this world who needs to see Christ clearly. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You see, become fully devoted to Christ. Let your life be completely changed by the work of Christ and his word in you. First Thessalonians 5.5 5 says, For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Unfortunately, as the rest of verse 36 shows us, and we're going to note it next time here, there are many who will not come to the light. And as hard as we might try to help people believe, many will not believe. In spite of all the clear evidence and reason to believe in Jesus, many continue in unbelief, and as long as they remain in unbelief, they choose to reject Christ. Where are you today? Have you come to the light? Are you a wholehearted follower of Christ? Are you fully devoted to serving Him with your whole life? Is your life characterized by the light of Christ living in you and through you? Are you being changed daily by the power of Christ at work in you and by the truth that God has revealed to you in his word? It's an ongoing work, isn't it? As God makes us more and more like his son, Jesus. But it is a work that He wants us to be a part of as we go to His truth, as we yield to His word, as we take daily steps of obedience. Sometimes it's like one step forward, two steps backward. Sometimes we struggle, don't we? But are you about making progress? Are you about being fully devoted to Christ? Where are you today? And believers, you can look to Christ in all you do because as, as followers of Christ, when you face difficulty, when you face hardship, when you face persecution for the cause of Christ, you can serve the Lord with confidence and joy knowing that he is at work. Remember, God said, I will glorify my name. And he wasn't done glorifying his name at the cross. You see, God intends to glorify his name through his people. As we become obedient followers of Christ, He is at work, and we can, we can face hardship and suffering for our faith with great joy and hope, knowing that God is at work being glorified through His faithful servants. And we can know this because even though the death of Christ was most troubling to His followers at the time, it was by His sacrificial work on the cross that God was indeed glorified by Christ's death, by His burial and resurrection. And He lives today. At the Father's side in heaven, and He intercedes for believers today. Does He not? You know how gracious a work Jesus does in our souls when we depend upon Him, when we trust in Him, when we go to His Word faithfully and daily, and we and we shape our lives by obedience to Christ. Oh, how God is glorified by that! Oh, how we glorify the Son. An unbeliever today. You need to know that the death and resurrection of Christ means victory for you today if you will believe in him today. If you have a question about that, I'd love to talk to you. If you're hearing this gospel truth today and realizing that you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today's the day. Do not delay. I'd love to speak to you about that. I know that we have others in our fellowship who would love to speak with you about how you can know Christ personally. Where are you today? Are you still rejecting him? Are you rejecting the son? Are you you rejecting the once and for all finished work on the cross that that he did so that you might be saved and forgiven of your sins? And believer, are you keeping your hope in Christ daily? Is Christ your focus? It's hard to do, isn't it? Ask me. I know. It's hard, isn't it? But are you taking steps of, of obedience daily, focusing on Christ, focusing on His Word, yielding to the, to the Spirit's work in your soul, knowing that He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world because God's Word says, just as we saw this morning, it's time for the one in the world to be defeated by Christ right, and his obedience on the cross, and we take great hope and encouragement from that truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you as we're reminded once again of the suffering of Christ on the cross for our sins, the anguish of suffering alone being rejected by you Father, for a time, as you poured out your righteous and just wrath on the Son, so that we would not have to experience that for all eternity. Oh God, I pray, you know, you know, if there are unbelievers here today who have not repented of sin and trusted in Jesus Christ for forgiveness. God, I pray, break through their heart of stone. Melt their heart of stone and help them to believe and help them see the truth of Christ and to to repent and trust. Believe in Jesus today. And God, I pray for your children now that you would help us to take great hope and encouragement that when we suffer for the sake of Christ, that we suffer for the glory of God the Father, God the Son. We suffer for your glory and for our good. So God, help us to be obedient no matter what. Help us to honor you no matter what. God, help us to not be tempted by Satan and his ploys in this world to tempt us to to make little of your promises and your commands and help us to trust in you daily and walk with you faithfully and walk in the light just as you have given us the light in Jesus Christ so graciously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.